morning. Welcome to Southwoods Christian Church. So glad to see you here this morning, or if you're tuning on the live stream, glad you're here listening at home. Um, got a couple announcements I want to make sure I hit this morning. Uh, one is, let's hit this one first, Brent Avery will be speaking next Sunday, and then Sunday night, and then Monday night, and then Tuesday night, So, and, I, and Wednesday. Yeah, the first half of the week. It's going to be awesome. It's uh, Thy Kingdom Come. You see it on the side there. Uh, so mark those dates down. Get your phone out right now. Put it on your calendar. Um, and if you forget, go to the back at the end of the service and grab a flyer. It has the dates on it. I just highly encourage you to come out and uh, be encouraged by what he has to say. It's going to be really good stuff. Um, also, we have the 11th annual Hero Makers Golf Tournament coming up this Wednesday, this week. So if you're interested in doing that, check that out. Got a lot going on. And at the end of the month, we have a trunk or treat. So keep that in mind if you want to set up a trunk, do a theme with it. You know, get some candy, invite people to come. It's going to be a really cool opportunity just to be a presence in the community. Um, And yeah, so let's go ahead and stand and worship him this morning.
Man, isn't that true? We have hope in that this morning. Let's turn and say hi to someone. We're singing so loud, it's not going to Continue to sing of what he's done for us this morning through Jesus.
could you fall so far? You shouldn't be ashamed of yourself. So I was ashamed of myself. The lies I believed, they got some roots that run deep. I let them take a hold of my life. I let them take control of my life. And standing in your presence, Lord, I can feel you digging all the roots up. I feel you dealing all my wounds up. All I can say is hallelujah. Look what you've done. Look what you've done in me. You spoke your truth into the lies I let my heart believe. Look at me now. Look how you made me new. The enemy did everything that he could do. Oh, but look what you I thought I was too broken, now I see You are breaking new ground inside of me Standing in your presence, Lord I can feel you digging all the roots up I feel you healing all my wounds up All I can say is hallelujah sending your son down to pay for our sins, Lord, and to create this new life, to give us these hearts of flesh and not hearts of stone, God, and just this opportunity to love you and all because of you, God. It's, it's all your work. We just want to praise you for that this morning. Um, reflect on that as we uh, head into the message and then into the communion later in the service. So, Lord, we just praise you in this time and pray that we can continue to do that um, outside of song, just in everything that we do throughout the week, Lord, that we would be living for you, living in this new life because um, it's a new life. It's totally different, God. You're a new creation through you. Praise you for that. We thank you. We love you, Lord. We praise in your son's name. Amen. Check out the ways to give. Good morning, Southwoods. Good morning. 
It's great to see you this morning. I love that song we just sang a moment ago. I just love the worship this morning. So thank you, uh, worship team, and thrilled that you're here with us, whether you're online or whether you're on site here. Uh, we're very grateful that, uh, that you're a part of what we're doing this morning. Trust that the Holy Spirit is at work through us, in spite of us, however, in your life. That's what we need. We're continuing our series today. It's entitled Back to the Basics, and today we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about his identity. Was Jesus a great teacher and reformer like the secularists believe? Was he a great prophet like the Muslims believe? You know, they believe that Isa is the same as Jesus. It's just the Muslim version is what they believe. And I just answered that question briefly as it relates to him, is that Isa, they don't believe, died. They don't believe he resurrected from the grave. They don't believe he's the son of God. So they, he's not the same. Don't ever let anybody tell you differently. He isn't the same. Was, uh, was Jesus an alien like some uh, you know, modern uh, TV researchers speculate, some UFO researchers? Uh, was Jesus son of God, king of kings, lord of lords, as uh, the Bible teaches? Who is, was Jesus? Who will you believe that he is? And here's the question that many wrestle with in our day. Does it even matter? And let me just say, unequivocally, yes, it matters greatly. If you are a believer in Jesus, you understand what I'm talking about. It matters greatly who Jesus is and if he's who he claims that he is. Because you see, Christianity, there is no Christianity without Christ. You take the word Christianity, you remove Christ or redefine it, and it is no more. It ceases to be the same thing. Salvation goes out the window. Resurrection from the dead goes out the window. On and on we could go. It all depends on who Jesus is and is he who he claims to be in the scriptures. It's imperative that you and I, when we think in terms of getting back to the basics, understand that who Jesus is in many respects is the ball game. It matters tremendously. And so for this morning's time, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Scripture. I'm going to take you back to one of the basic foundational passages of Scripture. We could look at a lot of passages this morning. We'll look at a few, but we could look at a lot of passages this morning because this is so clear in Scripture for anyone who spends time just reading the New Testament. If you start in Matthew and read through you know, Revelation, you will get this, this amazing panoramic picture of who Jesus is. And obviously, as you get that in your mind and you look back at the Old Testament, the prophets and who they described that he would be before he came, it's astonishing who he is. But it all sort of summarizes in this one passage of Scripture we're going to look at this morning, Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start at verse 13. This was a point in time in Jesus' life and ministry when this whole question of his identity was, was pivotal, was a pivot point right now, this passage in the ministry and life of Jesus and for his disciples. And I want you to listen close to what Scripture says. Follow along in your own Bible. Follow along on the screen with me. If you don't have a Bible, make a note if you can, and that way you can look back at this passage later. This is what Scripture says. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he, you know, Jesus asked them, but who do you, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah. Some translations say you're the Christ. It means the anointed one. You, you are the Messiah, you're the Christ, you're the anointed one, the son of the living God. Peter said, and Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. 
This passage raises the central issue of all of history. It's the pivot point, you could say, of all of history, a hinge point. And the issue is, who is Jesus? Who is he? And more precisely, he wasn't content to just know what everybody thought. He, he, was content, he, he wanted to know, what did you believe about me? Is what he's asking his disciples. And I would contend he's asking that of you. And of me as well today. No other person before or since Jesus has influenced the world like he has. Just an honest assessment of history demands that you and I wrestle with who is Jesus. And so for the next few minutes, I want to help us this, this morning. Again, this is just sort of Christianity 101, what we're talking about this morning, back to the basics. And there are two places that you and I can turn to explore who Jesus is. Interestingly, they show up right here in the text. The first that we can, if we want to explore who Jesus is, the first place we can look is just we can research popular opinion. What do people think? I mean, Jesus asked his disciples, what do people say? I mean, who do they say that I am? Verse 13, that's what he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? A lot of people go through life asking that, just asking people, what, what do you think? Who do, who do you think? It's, so he started that really here, you see that, and, and the disciples are reflecting on it, and they said, some say John the Baptist. After all, John the Baptist shared a lot in common with Jesus. He was the one who came and was the voice crying, of one crying in the wilderness, repent, prepare yourselves, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So was this cry. They thought maybe Jesus was a resurrected version of John the Baptist because they had the same message, because they had the same kind of character. And some of them thought that Elijah the prophet was who Jesus was, if you look in the text. And if you remember what Malachi chapter 4 says, 400 years before this moment when Jesus shows up on the scene, Malachi the prophet said this in Malachi 4 verse 4, he tells the people, remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant, all the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all Israel. And he explains, he says, look or behold, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I'll come and strike the land with a curse. And the people saw Jesus, the fruit of his life and the fruit of his teaching and throngs of people coming to the Jordan River to be baptized by both John the Baptist and by him. And they're just wondering, well, if it's not John the Baptist, maybe, maybe he's Elijah the prophet or, or one of the other prophets like Jeremiah who was appealing to people to walk in faithfulness and humility before God. And just as everyone had an opinion of him in Jesus' day, we know everybody has an opinion of who Jesus is in our day. A lot of times divergent opinions like these. Parents have opinions. Professors in your college classroom have opinions. Co-workers have opinions. Most people in our day will acknowledge that Jesus was an influential historical figure. He had a profound influence on society and people's lives in his day and, and has affected things since. There's some debate about whether he's made it better or worse, but they... They generally look at him and say, you know, he was a person of compassion. It's politically correct to say Jesus loved everybody. We focus on Jesus' love. He loves, 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 loves. Everything else we don't have to study too much or pay too much attention. But we focus on his love. That's, that's the way our, our world is. Some would even go so far as to say that he was a prophet. But as interesting as people's opinions might be, Christians inevitably turn to another place to explore Jesus' identity. We don't just listen to everybody's opinion, but we rely on eyewitness biblical testimony. Do you realize that this book, the Bible, is the meticulous account, the record of eyewitnesses who bore testimony to who Jesus was? People who walked with him, talked with him, witnessed his miracles, who observed the the fine detail of his life and his teachings, and those things have been recorded to us, and they were so profound, so significant, that they were recorded in this form and passed down for centuries to you and me 
not by religionists, but by people of faith who believed the eyewitness testimony of those who spent time with Jesus. Now, granted, it was not the testimony of any man that revealed these things to to Peter. Jesus makes that point in the text. But it was God speaking through the eyewitness testimony of people that brought it to Peter's awareness who Jesus was. And Peter's conclusion was in Matthew 16, 16, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. The word literally means the anointed one. The son of the living God. I want you to think with me about this. Who were some of the eyewitness testimony or te- uh, testifiers, if you will, that, that God used to bring Jesus' identity to the full awareness of Peter? And ultimately, if you know uh, your Bible, you know the rest of the apostles. They all came to agree with Peter and the believers who believed in their eyewitness testimony. I mean, it, just, it has just passed on for centuries now. But who was it? How did, how did God use the testimony of those around Jesus and Peter to influence their thinking? Well, evidence that people saw. And we look at John the Baptist, who I've already mentioned and is mentioned in the text himself. If you look at John chapter 1, verse 26, it kind of paints this picture of a scene in John's life and ministry. He's talking about Jesus, and listen to what he says in John 1, 26. John told them, I baptize with water, but right here in the crowd is someone you do not recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. This encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. Some of us have been blessed to be there in this very region. It's a a real place. It's not just something that's kind of writing, poetic writing or something. It's a place. Verse 29, John continues, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he is the one I was talking about when I said... A man is coming after me who's far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. It kind of conveys the whole point behind why John was baptizing people in the Jordan River, waiting for the one that God would prove to him, highlight, spotlight for him, was the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Verse 32, John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus. So I testify He is the chosen one, the anointed one, the Son of God, John said. The Apostle Peter was familiar with this whole event. His brother Andrew was a disciple. John was there, saw the whole thing happen. So it was not news to him. He discovered that through the eyewitness testimony of John the Baptist and his brother Andrew's evidence Peter had seen firsthand. More evidence that shows up in the New Testament record is the testimony of those oppressed by evil. And the Apostle Peter and the disciples themselves were eyewitness to this over and over again. Before this moment in Matthew 16 and after this moment in Matthew 16. It's described, I want you to listen to one of these events in Mark chapter 3 verses 7 and following. Listen to what the scripture tells us. It says, Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples and a large crowd followed him. And they came from all over Galilee, Judea. Jerusalem, Idumea, and from east of the Jordan River, and even from the far north is Tyre and Sidon. The news about his miracles had spread far and wide, and vast numbers of people came to see him. You notice the language. I mean, they just got these throngs of people showing up, the vast numbers, because they needed healing. They needed the intervention of God in their lives. And the Bible says that Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. 
He had healed many people that day. So all the sick people were eagerly rushing forward, pushing forward to touch him. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, listen to this, when they caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking. Listen to what the evil ones were saying. You are the son of God. You are the son of God. But Jesus sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal who he was. It wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right time for the masses to understand his identity. But Peter and the apostles had all been present. They had seen this over and over again. They'd heard the eyewitness testimony of evil declaring the identity, the uniqueness, the holiness, the righteousness, the authority of Jesus. But there was more evidence than that that they saw that, that led the apostle Peter to understand who Jesus was. We see Jesus' own testimony, and it shows up over and over again in Scripture as well. In John 3, 16, a familiar passage to, to most of us, Jesus says to his disciples, he said, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. We sang about it as well a few moments ago. But Jesus revealed his identity clearly when he spoke these words declared that God loved the world so much that before he would judge it, he would send one to save it. He would send one to save it, and that was who Jesus was. He came to be the Savior, the Lord, the Son, to rescue all who would turn in faith to him. But you know, as Many miracles were further evidence of his nature. It wasn't just what he said, it was what he did. The disciples saw Jesus walk on water. Peter himself, if you remember, Jesus is walking on the water. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Peter says, hey, ask me to come to you. And what does Jesus do? He says, come to me. Out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, in the middle of a storm, Peter steps over the side of the boat and he takes a step and another step and another step and before he's away from the boat and there's Jesus and Peter knew to the core of his being that Jesus was not an ordinary human being. He defied the laws of nature. He walked on water. In that moment, if you remember the biblical text, he kind of freaks out because the waves, all of a sudden he realized as he's out here, quite a ways from the boat, and still not quite to Jesus. And he realizes, uh-oh, there are waves all around me, and I'm doing what's humanly impossible to do. And sort of fear welled up in his spirit, and he sunk. And you remember what he does, if you know the story? Jesus, save me. And what's Jesus do? He reaches down and saves him. Peter would never forget that day all the days of his life for any of eternity. Peter and the apostles watched him calm a storm, you see. They saw him feed 5,000 men plus women and children. They watched him heal the blind, the lame, the, the, the mute, the deaf. They watched him cure the diseases and sicknesses of, of people who just had the faith to come to him the humility to seek him out. Peter understood to the core of his being that Jesus was a man, but not an ordinary man, not an ordinary one. And Peter's conclusion was, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And the other disciples agreed, and if you know their lives and their stories, they, they gave evidence and proof of their faith and their belief with their own lives. They died bearing witness to their faith in who Jesus was. 
But if you look at the text, Jesus was not content to know what people thought about him. He was interested in his disciples and saying, who do you believe that I am? And just as he was content, not content to allow people to like live in indecision about that, he looks at us, his disciples today, and he says, who do you say that I am? Who will you believe that I am? Will you believe that I'm just a good teacher or a prophet who happened to know in advance some of the things that were going to take place? A miracle worker. Is that who you, who you think I am? I think he's asking. Or will you live and believe to the core of your being that I'm the son of the living God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the savior of mankind, sent from God above that mankind might have an opportunity for mercy. And today is the day for that mercy. I want to share with you one more passage that broadens the picture even more fully. The Apostle Paul writes these words in Colossians chapter 1, just this amazing description. I wish I had time to take you to Revelation chapter 1, and John the Apostle, has Jesus, one of his favorite disciples, and the things that he describes, and We'll get into more of that probably uh, next week, but um, just listen to what Scripture, the description. Colossians 1 verse 15 says that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God, which is to say, let me just pause, the visible image of the invisible God. If you've ever wondered what the, inv the invisible God is like, well, just look at Jesus is the point. He's the visible representation, the visible image of the invisible God. And he goes on, he says, he existed before anything was created and he's supreme over all of creation. There's no creation that he's not above, not more important than he is. He is supreme for through him. God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth, which is to say all of the cosmos, the universe that you see when you look through the Hubble t Space Telescope or anywhere else, all of that God created. And guess what? Everything that you see on the earth has been created by him, by Jesus. He made the things we can see, the text says. And the things, guess what? We can't see on the microscopic level. Everything that has been made, big and small, visible and invisible, has been made by him. Such as, and it even embellishes, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities, and the unseen world, which is just an acknowledgement right here in this passage that there are spiritual forces at work in our world in the invisible realms, the unseen realm, that you and I don't control. They influence nations, governments, leaders, they're at work. Some are on God's side. If we had time, we could work our way through. Some are not on God's side. Paul talks about that in Ephesians 6. Some are corrupt and evil. All of them, though, God created. But just as Adam and Eve fell, guess what? Some of them have fallen and have rebelled. He created all of them nonetheless. Everything was created through him and for him. Verse 17 says, he existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. What's the point of that? Let me just set your minds at ease. That's to say, Yellowstone won't blow until it's okay with him. Okay? Because it all holds together by his will and his ways. Meteors fall at his wish. He can stop them if he wishes. He can allow them through if he wishes. Everything visible and invisible, he has authority over those things and he holds all of creation together. Verse 18, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. Also translated first among all who have Risen from the dead, the text is there sometimes translated. He's first in everything. Why? Because he is first. He's the beginning and the end. Verse 19 continues, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live, to dwell in Christ. Now think about that. Just pause for a moment. 
cry, you know, cry God in all his fullness. How much of his fullness? All of it. Indwell Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This is one of many passages in the Bible that, that clearly reveal who Jesus is. His unique, supreme, glorious, kingly, his regal nature, his unparalleled, unrivaled authority, and his incomparable mercy we see in the text as well, because through him, God's reconciled everything that wishes to be reconciled with himself through Christ's blood on the cross. The testimony of Scripture, the testimony of the disciples, the testimony of history is that Jesus was more than just an ordinary man. He was God in flesh. So much more could be said about this, but it's critical that you remember this. There is no Christianity without Christ. Get him wrong. And everything collapses. Now the reality is, just as you can get gravity wrong, and what happens if I step off this platform without paying attention to gravity? Guess what? Doesn't matter what I think about gravity, right? Gravity's still gravity. You and I can get Jesus wrong, but does that change him? No. But there are circumstances within which it will change how he relates to you and me. If we live in hardness of heart and stubbornness of spirit, if, if we join the rebellion that's been going on for centuries, if we embrace that as though it's ours, guess what? Uh, don't want to be in that position, any of us. It's imperative that we keep in mind who Jesus is, his, his righteousness, his goodness, his virtuous side. And here's why. Here's why. Jesus himself tells us that fake Jesuses are coming. If you and I don't have really clear in our head who the real Jesus is in passages like we've talked about, guess what? The day what might come where we're duped into believing in a fake Jesus Oh, we might think he's the real one, but he, he won't be. He won't be. You see, in an effort to destroy Christianity and Christians, the evil one is in the process, this very moment, of preparing fake Jesuses to show up on the scene. And he's working diligently, over time, without stop, to make the fake Jesus as smooth and slick as possible. So that you and I get confused, get foggy in our head about Christianity and Christ. Listen to what Jesus has to say about this in Matthew 24, verses 23 and following. He says a lot about this, actually, but we'll read a few verses. In verse 23 of Matthew 24, it'd be on the screen. He says this. He's speaking about the last days, by the way, here, just before his return. He says, if anyone tells you, look... Here's the Messiah, or there he is. He's over there. If he says that, don't believe it, Jesus says. For false messiahs and false prophets, fake Jesuses, fake prophets, will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. What's he talking about here? You and me hoping that we'll be gullible enough, that we'll be naive enough, that we won't know our Bibles well enough to know who the real Jesus is and that we'll, like, take the bait. Jesus even says, verse 25, See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. I mean, it's like the parent who's saying to the kid, you know, don't play in the street, okay? Please don't walk out in the neighborhood street there when you're, you know, the toddler. You could get hurt. Sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't, right? 
Jesus is saying, see, I've warned you about this ahead of time. He goes on and says, so if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert. I was thinking about this this morning. If somebody tells you that like Burning Man's going on, and come out here and see, the, see him in the desert. Guess what? Jesus says, don't bother to go. Don't bother to go and look. Or if somebody says, he's, he's over here in the Middle East. He's in, in the heart of Saudi Arabia. Or he's in you know, Afghanistan. Or some, what's Jesus saying? Don't bother to go and look. Or look, he's hiding here, Jesus says. Don't believe it. Verse 27, Jesus clarifies it. For all of us who have ears to hear, he says, For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. That's what it's going to look like when he really shows up. You're not going to need somebody to say, hey, he's, he's over here, and you're wondering where he is. It's, it's going to be obvious. Jesus is pleading with his people to understand that imposters, fake messiahs, fake prophets are coming. And friends, I think we got a media today who might willingly be his advocates for some of the fake Jesuses, fake prophets, fake messiahs. And watch out for fake pastors, fake Christians. And it really all comes back to who is Jesus? Who will you believe that Jesus is? And will you decide now, today, based on the eyewitness testimony meticulously recorded that the Holy Spirit is inspiring to help you understand who Jesus is and why he came and that ultimately he came for you and for everybody that you are connected to that has a humble heart toward God. He's, he's there. He wants you to know his desire is not to judge you He's not angry at you. He poured out his wrath on Jesus on the cross. That's why Jesus took on flesh, so that God the Father could pour out his wrath and because he was mad about things that have happened, justifiably so, if you look at history and understand the evil that's been at work in our world. He's angry at the unseen realm. He's angry at the human realm. And he poured all of that wrath out on Christ who through his shed blood has begun to reconcile everybody who will in faith and humility come to him. He wants to be in relationship with you. And today is the day of mercy. So we look heavenward and just acknowledge that he's good. We thank him for coming. Thank him for being a king who would suffer as he did. Will you bend your knee to him now while there's still time to receive mercy? Will you do that? We're going to share in the Lord's Supper in just a few moments. And as you take the emblems in just a few moments, maybe you, if you're listening online, you need to pick, pick up some bread and some juice and do that. If you haven't already done that, hurry back. Or just listen now and do it in a few moments. But uh, The bread is a symbol of his body, which was nailed to the cross. The juice is a symbol of his blood, which was shed, making atonement for the sins of every man, woman, and child on the planet, whoever has lived or is alive now or ever will live in the future, who has the humility to, to look heavenward and just cry out in faith to him and confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Every one of those folks who will do that, the blood of Jesus overcomes their sins. Not because they or we deserve it, but because Jesus deserves for us to be forgiven in light of what he endured. You see, it's not about us. It's about him. It's like after what he endured, if he wants us, guess what? He gets us. He gets us. And he died because he does want us. The issue is, do you want him at this moment? 
So as you take those emblems, eat the bread and drink the juice, just humble your spirit and just say, Lord Jesus, I want you. I want your forgiveness. I want you to be Lord of my life, King of Kings. May your will be done in my life and my body just as it's done in the heavens. And anytime you speak the word, it happens. And whatever you allow to continue, continues. But would you speak the word, Lord Jesus, and make, cleanse me, make me yours. Put the mark, the seal of your Holy Spirit in my life. I need you. I need you. I need to be yours and you to be mine. If you'll spend some moments taking those emblems, opening your heart to God in that kind of way, I promise you, He will hear. That's why He came. The Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn it, but to save you, save me. Let's bow our heads. We're going to pray and then give you a few moments to share in the Lord's Supper. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're the first and the last. You were head and supreme over all things. You're the firstborn from the dead. You have authority over all things. Every throne or power, all dominion is yours in the visible and invisible realm. We thank you, Lord, that you came before you set everything right, you came to reconcile all who would humble themselves with the Father before judgment was poured out. We thank you that we have this moment to humble ourselves before you. We just acknowledge you're the King. You're the Savior. We want you to be Lord of our lives. Forgive us those moments when we rebel in spirit that is not who we want to be Lord Jesus we want to humbly be your children so we ask for your forgiveness your leadership your guidance your empowerment your protection and we thank you for the provision of your shed blood which cleanses us from all unrighteousness we confess to you that we're sinners we thank you that you want to be our Savior. We receive you. Thank you for receiving us. Lord, as we take these emblems, we honor you. We express to you our gratitude and thankfulness. You help us to keep really clear in our minds today and all the days of the rest of our lives into the future. Help us to just stay clear who you are. May we never forget that we might be found faithful on that day when you come. Grateful for your grace. We lift this prayer together in Christ's name.
A message like this just brings scores of scriptures to my mind, and I have to close with one, another one. Philippians 2 says this, rich passage of scripture, verse 5 and following. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, 
every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The privilege he's given you and me is the opportunity to bow now of our own free will with humility in our spirits to recognize him for who he is and honor him for that who you say that he is this next week we're going to have a series guest speaker uh, Brent Avery is going to be here thy kingdom come is what we're going to talk about it's a series title um, it's we live in unique times let me just say come come if you can't come because you're already scheduled to be out of town or on business or something, you can live stream what we're going to be doing this next Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. A lot of preachers historically will have somebody who's a crony friend of theirs come in and preach for them. You know, it's kind of what some of us are that crass that that's what we think is going on. Absolutely not. I have a lot of friends who I've never had here, believe it or not. I have a lot more friends than you think I do. <laughs> Brent's one that I've had here multiple times because Brent walks with the Lord because Brent is uniquely gifted and he's going to talk to us from scripture about thy kingdom come and give us insight into the times in which we live that you and I need to understand we need to I mean desperately need to so don't miss next week on site online don't miss it okay uh, we're going to have some folks baptized next Sunday after church if you've never been baptized let me just say, every follower of Jesus among his 12, baptized. Everybody they taught, baptized. If you've never demonstrated your faith in Christ by being baptized, you need to. Jesus instructed his disciples, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, he says, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized if you've never been demonstrated, never been baptized as an expression of your faith. So I hope that you'll, let, see, just see me afterwards. We want to help you be obedient to Scripture in that, okay? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Hope you'll remember what we've talked about today, the rest of your life, on into eternity. Let's pray. Father. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the wonderful name of Jesus. And we humble ourselves before you knowing we're not worthy of him. But we thank you that you have chosen us and that you died, Lord Jesus, for us. Now, as we leave this place, would you help us to remember you're not an ordinary person. I mean, you are flesh like us. And in that sense, you are, but you're not. You're, you're so much more. And may we walk in humility and reverence for who you are. May we bear witness day in and day out, just as John bore witness to who you were, and just as Peter did and all of the apostles. Lord Jesus, as we go about our day, in the days ahead, the rest of our lives, would you help us to bear witness, to be men and women of faith and courage, to be led by your spirit, to encourage people to look upward, to look toward you, their hope for this life and the life that is real life beyond. Go with us now. May we walk with you in the spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all.